Gaming NBS episode 308 being recorded Monday, August 31st, 2020. Welcome to Gaming and BS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome back. Glad people are around. How you doing, man? Good, Brett. How are you doing, man? I uh, it sounds hurts. like sounds <laughs> like Brett's in pain this evening. Unfortunately, yeah, it's unfortunately becoming normal. So, like I said, doctor's appointment on the ninth. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, we'll get something figured out. It's just annoying. Yeah. Did you get any gaming in since we talked last? I did. Well, I played in the charity event. Okay, so first things first. How the heck was that? It was good. It was fun. Um, it was good. Good. It was definitely. It was fun. And um, I give props to Jason Hobbs of Hobbs and Friends for running the game and, and putting in all the prep. We did not finish kind of the mission, so to speak. I was a liaison en route to... I was on a diplomatic mission and being escorted by Kevin Madison's character as well as so he and I were same ethnicity. Okay. And the other three were not. Uh other three players were not. And one was not a big fan of our ethnicity, I guess. There's a faction kind of thing ah, going on. Okay. So. Got it, got it, got it. But uh, did anyone it was good. grab your character by the throat and say, "If this is a diplomatic envoy, where is the ambassador?" And not, do that. Not no. So, somebody should have. Somebody should opportunity. Somebody should have vadered you, man. So I think we going into the event, Kevin, um, for the SOS for Children charity, had already had his goal met, and I think we raised Damn. a few more dollars. I think some BSers might have stopped by, and for those that did, thank you. Yeah, it was fun. It was low fantasy gaming. Steve Gradzicki from Pickpocket Press, uh, as a player, um, didn't didn't lay down the hammer on Hobbs. So Hobbs must have known what he was talking about. Or at least he just didn't want to didn't want to embarrass Hobbs in front of God and everybody. Steve's it's a good guy. Nice. He's he was, a nice guy. Yeah, and um, yeah. So that that was that. Um, I did. Delta Green, I tried to run that on Thursday. And I say tried because we got into about an hour and then. A storm hit us locally, and my power went off. And then it came back on. <laughs> then it went and off. Then I went off. And then it went on. And then it went off. And then on. Like literally, just like that in a ten minute span. First, it went off, and then it, everything came on. And I thought we were in the clear. And then it went flickered on and off. And all my, I get. I'm, a, I'm an old computer guy, and so hardware guy. And so when those, I used to. When we'd get storms, I used to unplug all my stuff. Like, oh I'm yeah, just like, yeah. I'm no, I've, I, I have indeed done that. Yeah, my house has been hit by lightning. Yeah, yeah, it's not cool. <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> when it fries shit, it's not good, not fun. So I, uh, we had everything up and running, and the guys were like, you know, it's nine o'clock. Let's call just it. Call it. Yeah, and so um, that's the the only. I shouldn't say the only, but one of the big online issues that'll hit you is if you have a, a technical issue that you can't control. Like, you know, the other day I was running for my guys and I had a similar thing where the internet was just not acting right at all. I had to turn my camera off. It was working fine after that. 
just for whatever reason, bandwidth issues. It's a drag, you know, because it never happens when you're at the start or at the end of the, it's always like in the middle of something cool. (laughs) It's when that shit hits you. Yeah, it was pretty ridiculous. And um, I just, we so Hobbs and and Harrigan and uh, us, we just kind of, hung loose and that was kind of it so no, um that happens yeah. yeah my buddy alpha cracked out his rage of the uh rage of demons which we hadn't played in months and months and months and got back where the hell are we oh yeah brett's got a new character how are we gonna do we fought a beholder um i was paralyzed twice turned to stone at the end survived it was very very touch and go for the party we got our asses handed to us but eventually came out on top it was very very <laughs> very touch and go it was fun. Nick ran D20 Star Wars on Saturday, and then by the time I got home Sunday, I was a massive pain. Um, I pushed myself too hard. It was stupid of me. I shouldn't have done that. But um, in addition to that, I ran Middle Earth for my kids, AJ and Lana, last Wednesday, and that went over really well. We had a good time. They're planning out uh, where they're going next. They have a They've been complaining that they just didn't seem to have enough. They needed a warrior boy. They should have made another character. I said, you do, you know, remember the keep you guys took over with the six dwarves that live there and have offered to help you? Oh, yeah. You want an NPC follower or somebody? Oh, yeah, that'd be great. So we, they got a warrior with them. Big, tough, you know, equal level dwarf type of thing. So they're, they're feeling pretty good there. They got poisoned at the end, tried to, trying to figure out who did what. So a uh, bit of a mystery. It's a little bit of fun for him. So no one lost an eye. No no combat this time, but it was still still fun as they tried to figure out what was going on and who was to blame and all that good stuff. So it was fun. Good session. Well, that's good, man, I guess. Yeah, it was. It was pretty good. Other than that, let's see here. Announcement-wise, we had Virtual Game Hole Con coming. Talked about that plenty. GameholeCon.com if you're interested. Let's see here. And again, you know, Sean, I'm, I'm still... Really proud, man. You did that that charity thing. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. It was fun. That's, that's just cool that when you get an opportunity to do that, if you can make it work, that's just, that's really cool that you did that. Yeah. I appreciate, um, appreciate everybody that, I mean, I was fortunate to be invited. It was a game that somebody had paid for, um, and that was their, that was their game. And then Hobbs asked me to be a part of it. And so, of course, I was quite flattered by uh, being a part of it. So yeah, it was good. I uh, really enjoyed myself, and so cool, man. Let's do random encounter, man. Let's just roll over there. Oh, update! Mm-hmm. I'll probably run Curse of Strahd for Jeff's gang. Yeah, the gang of Jeff. Yeah, the mothership crashed. Well, I've got. I think. I think I've got one session. I'll and then crash it'll, it. it'll be just done. Get yeah. done with it. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. It was we'll, a nice experiment while it lasted. Yeah, and moving on. Yeah. All right, random encounter segment of the show where we field voicemails, um, comments from social media, in the emails. First one, Harrigan emailed us. You want to start or no? You need to do it. You need to get back in the groove, man. <laughs> you're feeling you're thrown off. Read it, read some good email here. You'll pump you right back up. <sighs> All right, okay, I can do this. Get up, you son of a bitch, and bring your Nobel. Harrigan emails us, gaming NBS overlords. Two quick things. On Sean, uh, one on Sean's flaming train wreck of a session zero for his mothership game. 
We need a train wreck sound now. We have a train got, sound, but we need a crashing train. Do you have a train crash? I don't have the crashing end of the train, but I, I'm i sure it's we something I can work on. Yeah, I We got to have that. Yeah, That's important. Be, Carry on. We'll, uh, so on one hand, you have Kingdom, Microscope, and the like. Highly structured, highly collaborative setting builders that it seems his group dislikes. So during our Delta Green game when it was done harrigan and hobbs and i were talking and the episode didn't drop yet and i was telling harrigan about my mothership microscope kingdom debacle experiment yeah yes, yes, so yes. this is what he's referencing everybody um so on the other there's completely free-form setting generation where no one can agree. Key elements are forgotten about, and the GM can end up running a setting they don't actually enjoy. So that's the hang-up if I did run Kingdom and it was successful. Or we did it. Maybe successful isn't the right word. Idea. Head for the middle ground. Fate and powered by the apocalypse games often do this. Provide a bit of structure for setting building, but don't go overboard. Come up with the key points that matter, then provide the players with a few choices for each of them. It can be really tough to come up with ideas in a vacuum and even harder to get everyone to agree on them. So have the players choose from a few GM-provided options. Give them a menu to order off of. They could each have a vote, or you can even make it a little set of tables they roll on randomly. Uh, for a science fiction game, set up the choices around FTL communications. FTL travel, aliens, whether artificial gravity is a thing, weapon technology, the kind of ship they have, the kinds of adventures they get up to, uh, all the stuff that matters for the setting and the stories people want to tell. And by building these lists, the GM can ensure that they either A, stay within their comfort zone and run a setting they like, or B, get to stretch themselves in ways they are new and inspiring. Uh, basically this, make random setting tables and have your players roll on or pick from them. So, number two. So, COVID-19 sure has driven a lot of gamers online, me included. I'd be curious to see what BSers think now about going virtually. Do those who hated it still hate it? Are those who dove in starting to get tired of the format? Might be a neat subtopic, kind of looking at the state of online gaming now that we are about six months into this thing. That's all I got. Peace, Harrigan. Interesting. On the uh, on the online piece, I was not as big a fan as I am now. I've gotten more and more used to it. Um, I've actually found that for running for my home group, we get more done online than we do in person. When we're in person, the side talk, the bullshit, the, hey, let me show you this cool new knife I bought, which is the thing at the table. Hey, let me show you this thing. Oh, my God, I saw this movie. Hey, did you see? That is a big distraction for in-person gaming <laughs> for us. Especially this last weekend, we have not seen each other in months. So getting together again was a huge, oh, my God, this is really cool. Yeah, I know that happens sometimes online. Or for a podcast like Brett and Sean, where we just ramble for hours. <laughs> but that's from an on staying on target perspective. For whatever reason, my home group, if it's online, we are on task, on target. And uh, by God, we get a shitload more done in just a couple hours than we normally do in person. So 
That's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, we don't Jeff the Jeff group that I play in tend to take intermissions, whether it's usually they're informal. Somebody gets away from the table, we gotta wait for them, then it just everybody breaks up. We we talk about the current state of affairs and then eventually get back to the table. So, Some of that's normal, right? We're friends. You've known those guys yeah. for a long time. I've known my group for a very long time. It's hard to not talk about other stuff because they are my friends. They're not just people I game with. Right. They're not my gaming friends. And then my quote unquote regular other group of friends. These are my friends. Sean and I don't just do a podcast and game together. We talk about all sorts of crap together because we're friends. It's just how that works. I like the ideas that he talked about, though, above that. With the idea, and I think we touched on that a bit last episode when you talked about it, Sean, it's kind of the give them a menu. We're going to talk about that a bit more in today's topic, kind of the lower end descriptions component of it. So I don't want to get too deep into that right now here again, because we're going to get to that in a bit. So I think I kind of said on that for now, huh? You good, Sean? I am good. Thanks for writing in, Harrigan. He put that in at the last minute, literally at the buzzer. He messaged me on Discord and I'm like, okay, no problem. Nice. So, yeah. Glad he let me know because I yeah. probably would have missed Always it. Missed it. Yeah. This, this week anyway. So next up, we got Roman emails us on why do PCs wander off? Hey, dudes, I know this email is a little behind. Sorry about that. I got behind to listen out of order. Oh, good God. Roman. Nah, it's cool, dude. That's totally fine. Thanks for taking the survey so I didn't have to. I really enjoyed your discussions on wandering PCs so much that I wanted to share my thoughts with you jokers. I think when the entire party wanders away during a published adventure, it's often just bad writing. It's really up to the GM to keep the players engaged in the story enough to want to stick around. Rumors of powerful magical items can only be gained by following the prescribed path can be hard to walk away from. Conversely, when PCs wander away during a homebrew game, it just might be because of the homebrew. Published adventures provide a wonderful linear quality that, sure, might feel a little railroady sometimes, but at least you know what the hell you're supposed to be doing. Unless you're playing Rage of Demons. That one feels weird to me. Total Brett sidebar. Uh, some of the greatest campaigns our group has played have been a mashup of several different published adventure paths, modules, one-shots, and homebrew adventures set in a homebrew world. The world was always fresh and new, but there are almost always specific goals that we understood. If the players don't understand what the hell they're supposed to do, there ain't no way the characters are gonna, and the people will get bored and look for something to fight. Lastly, the thing really ir- irritating kind of wandering off. PCs wandering off alone. I get it. It's a role-playing game. People want to roleplay their character. What's my motivation? Wah. I'm just playing my character. Wah. But I want to do that. Wah. <laughs> I like the added wah. <laughs> um, <laughs> what some people forget is that this is, and I overscrolled, this is a social game played with other people. Sometimes you need to invent motivation, change a character's motivations, or just shut the fuck up and go along to get, <laughs> go along to get along until you're totally into it again. Nobody wants to sit and watch you play by yourself with a GM for 20 or 30 minutes while you run off to find yourself. A group typically makes decisions on a vote, and we all go along. We once had a player who was so upset by another character's actions that he announced he was going to fly home and burn down the party castle. Whoa, time out. When shit like this happens, it's time to take a break from the session and have a serious talk. That player eventually decided to leave the group, and the character went off to live in the forest. Uh, this is what I imagine happened with, happened with Han Solo. His player had to take a leave of absence. His wife had a baby. He sadly moved away. So Han decided to fly off the sunset instead of joining the rebellion. A couple years later, holy shit, I'm moving back to town. Is there room in the group for me? Hell yes, there's room. We're about to start another sci-fi adventure with our old characters. This time it's supposed to be in the forest with a bunch of teddy bear NPCs. I'm weird. Game on. 
<laughs> I like that, Roman. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks, yeah, it is, Roman. It is, a, it is a social game, and it's not... We've talked about this many times over the years, and it's, it's difficult sometimes for people to understand that it's not always about them. And that sometimes, wow, this session doesn't have a lot for my character to do, or this session isn't enough about the things I like. Well, guess what? There might be three, four, five, six, eight other people at the table. So, yeah, I, I agree. Sometimes you just got to... You got to go with the flow. You're not always going to get what you want. And it uh, doesn't mean you should go around and break the game or, or try to be disruptive by just, quote-unquote, playing your character or wandering off just to do that type of thing. So I get it. Yeah. Over to you, Sean. All right. So Isaiah commented on Brett ta taking the D&D survey. Hey, all first-time poster. Uh, started listening to the show last year, and the way the hosts highlight the community is affirming and welcoming. The kind of openness and genuine interest that Sean and Brett display are the features of the gaming community that keep me enthusiastic about the hobby. Props to everyone on here for being a positive force. So Thanks, man. Referring to the me. forums, yeah. Uh, I started playing RPGs in middle school because I always wished I could do more in the video games I played. When my friend across the street showed me his AD&D books, my mind was blown I was no longer confined to what was on an NES cartridge. I think wanting to GM DM was an extension of that. Now I would only be limited. Uh, now I would only be limited by what I could create and what others would play. Thinking about the survey and something that came up on the episode, I hope Watsi is planning to expand into virtual tabletop. I would pay good money for an online platform to run fourth edition D&D. The tight design of the combat was a wonderful way for me to experience that video game type experience that attracted me as a kid. Maybe if enough people answer positively about 4E on that survey, I can play it more. I have heard a lot of different folks that are friends of mine that really like 4th edition. You know, I only, as I've said, I only had a chance to play it once. And uh, my short answer is always, eh, it wasn't for me. I think the long answer is much more tedious and boring has more to do with the group dynamics and other components versus the actual rule set itself. And I believe the original ideas for fourth edition was kind of this codified virtual tabletop type of experience as well. I don't know. I, I mean, I hear rumors about what always all planned or dreamed around fourth edition, but it never came to fruition. So yeah, I could definitely see having a really cool online platform with, um, version dedication to it could be kind of fun yeah. i think the closest you could get is stuff like you know roll 20 or whatever that have certain features you know for 5e or whatever it is built into it but it's still not quite the same yeah so i get what he's saying for sure good oh. stuff but hey thanks for thanks for listening and um thanks for taking the time to to comment isaiah really appreciate it yeah thanks for for just being a part of the community, Isaiah. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. All right. So, Dominikenian. Oh, I think I did that right. Posted this in our forums. Not sure if this is the right place, but can y'all do an episode on how to GM for money? How to get that paper? How much to charge? What to expect? And one on how to run a game on the fly. You sit down as a player and the group makes you GM. <laughs> you have to use your player cues to run the game. Uh, interesting. I have, I think, Sean, you and I have talked about the whole DM for cash thing, maybe offhandedly. We've never really focused on it. But uh, yes, yes, we can. And it will go into the hopper. 
I will yeah. add those to topic lists. Yeah, that would be list. interesting one to talk about because there's some people that are just, no, you... You don't do that. You don't do that. You Other don't people charge. are like, why wouldn't you do that? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. Uh, well, we will, we'll talk about that and on the fly. We've talked about that in bits and pieces, but a little more... How would I do it? How would Sean do it? I think might be a little more handy than some of the higher conceptual type of stuff. Talk a little more tactical. Could be fun. So, yeah, I'll add those in there. That's up next, man. Sweet. What you got? Um, uh, let's see. Oh, so. Well, why don't we why don't we go into the t- main topic? Sure. Then you can hit some of the stuff you yeah, asked. Yeah, these are responses for the main topic that I found online. Very cool. Let's, let's right. go for it. So man. thanks, everybody, for writing in and, and emailing and commenting on the forums. We appreciate it so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Let's get into the main topic. All right, Brett. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Roger Brasslett, longtime friend, listener of the show, supporter, all around good dude. He wrote in our forums and said, description on demand, I'm not always comfortable Especially in a new game, when the GM gives me the, the talking stick and asks me to make something up on the spot about their game world. I didn't know this was a thing, and other people don't like it either. Also, I know Brett does this, which is very true. As an aside, I have done that in the past. There's an article, and I'd like to hear your thoughts. So we've got this great article um, to the Alexandrian, uh, uh, the Alexandrian, all one word, .net. We'll have a link in the show notes. It's um, on this person's, this author's list of GM don'ts, description on demand. Um, so I told Sean, I said, I thought the article was actually pretty interesting. I don't know if I agree with all the bits and pieces of it, but if nothing else, Roger's perspective is something we have talked about here and there. And I think it's, let's just have a little more focus on it. So it actually got me thinking back, Sean, to your mothership idea and the kingdom and microscope components. And is that a task? It sounds like your group is uncomfortable doing that. That may not be that type of that type of creativity because gaming itself is a very creative act as players, whatever. It's kind of I almost liken it to, hey, I work in oils and someone gives me a slab of marble and a chisel. Ah, not a sculptor. <laughs> right? If that's not your if that's not your chosen format, it might be tough. But uh Sean, I know before we go too far into this, you went out to the social medias and asked some people some questions. So did you you want to go through those answers now? Yeah. So did you? So did we want to talk about what we're talking about when it has to do with? Yeah, let's do that. What, That's a good what point. is what? It, so the so Brett said, "Hey, we're so we talking about this." Define, define the goddamn thing. Well, Brett said, "Hey, this is this is what we're talking about." Here's a link to an article that references. And I started reading the article, and the thing that um, so it's about description on demand. I will let Brett talk about that. But the article and the blog that we reference with the link says, "I don't." I think there's some people that like it, but I know that there's some people that don't. Many people don't. And that was like, really? Hmm. Is that true? Many people? Uh, so Yeah, when you take big swaths of something right. and you so say, I, oh, clearly, or whatever. Yeah, because I'm sure I'm sure the, the blog, who, who, and I like the blog. We've, we've, we've talked about the Alexandria mm-hmm. and referenced it in previous shows is good, but- I'm sure that there isn't like a very overly extending survey to get that feedback. So, Brett, if you could divulge what 
description on demand actually is. Yep, I'm going to pull this directly off. So I'm going to quote off the article, which again, I think person did a good job. They started off with this. So the technique we're talking about, direct quote here, is description on demand. The GM directs an authorial question to at a player, giving them narrative control to define, describe, or determine something beyond the immediate control of their character. Examples include stuff like, what is Lord Fauntleroy's deepest secret? You open a door and see Madame de Ferber's bedroom. What does it look like? Okay, so you pull him off to one side, confess your love to him, and demand to know if he feels the same way. What does he say? What does Rebecca, your PC, know about the Dachshund gang? Who's their leader? Robert, tell me the name of, uh, of the, what the name of the mountain is. Okay, you find some juicy black mirror, mirror McDonald. What is it he's done? What evidence do you find? If you haven't encountered this technique before, the key to understanding is that none of the characters being defined here are PCs. The GM isn't asking Lord Fauntleroy's player what the character's deepest secrets are. They're asking the players to step out of their character and create an element of the game world external to the character, often in direct response to the character taking interest in that element of the game world. It's description on demand because the D GM is demanding that the player provide description. Now, the demand part, that phrase, demand, makes it feel like, I told you, give me this, right? You feel like demand is being demanding. You have to, you feel obligated to. Um, I think if it's done in a better way, I would be sourcing the table, asking people for information. Hey, could you give me some? Um, I think as we go through this, I think some of some of the things for descriptions on demand, if we stick with that type of phrase or sourcing the table, there's certain types of questions that I generally don't ask, um, or I, I, have, I have tried and found I don't get good reactions. And so I have a, uh, a style slash type of thing I look for. Um, and some of it is just to feel out the group to see who at the table likes this shit and who doesn't like that stuff much type of thing. So, Sean, I think that's a good enough description to get us going here. So if you want to look at some of the feedback, uh, hit us with it. Oh, I'm going so, to groan in the background. Yeah, thank Fucking you for fun. circling back. So we, so when I heard this and read that part and it was like, I know, you know, there's not many people that like it. Uh, so I posted it on Twitter. If you follow us, weigh in on Twitter on, on your thoughts. Yes, I love it. Uh, sometimes if it's used sparingly or no, I, I don't like it at all. So um, one of the individuals mentioned, depends on the style of game. Um, this was uh, Gaz, the Smart Party RPG. I should have probably grabbed their handle. Uh, I think it's actually, yeah, the Smart Party RPG podcast. Depends on the style of game for the more traditional games, D&D. I get a bit worn down as a player by doing the GM's heavy lifting. Mm. In some other games, say Blades in the Dark, it's all about injecting my own details into that world. Um, uh, this guy named Joe, uh, I don't mind when players are asked to help define the environment pre-play, and this can be pre-session or pre-campaign. During play, I think it's important for the GM to create the mood slash setting uh, Joe's opinion uh, does not it does not matter because Joe uh, I've known for 30 35 years and he's in my game group so Joe uh, I don't go really to hell, care. Joe go to I hell really, Joe I really don't care what you have to say Joe uh, I, I Joe on the other hand I welcome you to my table and I can show you how it's done so if you ever need to I can there you go Joe I can make that work for you 
Uh, so the next the next session that we have, uh, I'm gonna have. I'm just gonna pose all the questions to Joe uh, as we go through <laughs> in in session one, two, three, four. Nice. Wow. Yeah. He's gonna be. Joe doesn't know it yet, but he will be dungeon mastering the via first proxy. three sessions. Oh, yes. via proxy. Yeah. Very nice. He won't yes. even know. Yeah. Uh, and then Orcus, uh, hail Orcus Dorcas. To me, this is something that is more idiosyncratic of a game mechanic, more so than a generalized style of running a game. This really doesn't really ha- this really doesn't really have a universal quality that can be applied to most games as compared to utilizing theater of the mind versus props and maps and so on. So, in other words. Those la- latter thing, my interpretation of what he said was those latter things you can kind of they're easier to, to grok and throw in and out of a game, mm-hmm. um, no matter what the game system is. Where description by on demand is is not as much a universal quality, which I I could probably see that a little bit. Yeah, I think anymore. No, that those were just the three that I snagged. Three top, yeah, off top. The, the ones that I, think, I snagged offline. I think one of the pieces we talk we're talking about here, and that last comment um, leads into this. And one of the things from the article that he talks about is he says many players don't like it. It tends to be a fad that periodically cycles through RPG meme sphere, um, blah blah blah. He talks about the difference between role playing games and storytelling games. That's a different description to get into. But I think we're talking about here, and I like what the um, um, let me double check. Uh, the Orchestorcus, Hail Orchestorcus, uh, throughout there was, and I think, and even let me get back here. It's, um, and Gaz brought it up as well, the Smart Party RPG. When you think about this, it comes down to those comments remind me of does the game, rules as written, require slash support this? Sure. Right. So, Blades in the Dark, it's part of it. Fate, as Harrigan talked about earlier when you were chatting in the the first bit of feedback we had, does that play into Fate? Um, End of Dresden Files has that type of stuff in it. You build the city together. It's part of Session Zero. And even during gameplay, that can be important. Um, what are the a Power by Apocalypse games can do that sometimes. Like, hey, add in, add in. Some people have called them. I know um, uh, Chris um, Sneezak and I and had chatted about this offline one time, and he had referred to them kind of as uh, writer's table games, which I thought was a kind of a cool type of phrasing. So I think if it's in the game, right, then people sit down and say, oh, this is Blades in the Dark. This is Fate. This is... When um, you say it's in the game, you mean as a mechanic. As, part, as, it is a part of the game. It is a natural part of the game, and yeah. that is how the author, designer, writer crafted that. Right? So... You could look at that and say, oh, so Roger or other people like not fond of that would say, oh, guess I don't want to play Fate. Because if it's a natural part of the game and I'm expected to do that in order to take full advantage, full advantage of game mechanics or to be part an effective player, an effective game master, effective part of the entire game experience at this table. I need to do that, you know, because that's the way the game works. Yeah, I could see people saying. That's not my game. Not for me. On the other hand, what happens, and this is perhaps even another topic, Sean, we're topic building here left and right, but the game master advice type of things that go around, and you and I have talked about this a lot, um, we often refer to it as sourcing the table, asking people for stuff. When someone says, you know, I want to get in a bar fight, is is there a wine bottle on the table? Versus 
I grab the wine bottle off the table. Those types of things can be considered description on demand. But we're talking about here very specifically, a very specific piece of it is when I look across the, my DM screen, my game master screen, my storyteller screen, whatever it is, I go, Roger, what's the name of the baker on the corner of fifth and main? And he goes, um, Robert. Okay. Robert, um, short guy, heavy guy, fun. What do you like about Robert? And he's like, dude, right. That person and Roger, you're not here. So I, I'm just using you as an example, man. So don't take it personal. Whoever you may be, you know, Roger, so. <laughs> Roger. So. so if Roger's like, yeah, I don't, this is not fun. Um, whatever. This isn't my stick. I don't like doing this. Other players I mean, in my home group, I've game with these guys for 20 plus years. So I go, Lenny, I need the name of the baker. Whip, give me. Personality, thank you, done. Other folks in my group don't give two shits about that. JR, not his bag. Not going to tell me. I would welcome that. And I'll tell you why. Why? Because if Brett asked me who the baker was, would be, I'd be called, I'd call him like finger nibble bits or something. Yeah, that's another reason not to ask certain people <laughs> questions. <laughs> Smart, you smart ass. No, frick. All right, there's a night watchman. He's walking down the street. Uh, what's his name? Frack. Yeah, again. He's Frick's brother, Frack. Again, one more reason. <laughs> hey man, you want to open that can of worms, right? Right. Yeah. The okay. they, they, There's. Come on, man. The uh, the description on demand can of worms looks suspiciously similar to the smart ass can of worms, and you have to be very careful which one you open. Um, I think that bake, bake, bakery McBaker face. Yes. That's, that's yeah. That's shit. That shit's got to go. <laughs> so now the part of it is if this is your home group and somebody's being a bit of a, a hoser and they're like, oh, bakery McBaker face. Okay. That's fucking funny. Duke, whatever. Duke Duke. Gorn, Gorn, what the? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway. Thorn. So Sean, here's the deal. Yeah. I think what. When I'm gaming with my home group, I know I know these folks very well. If I game with people at a con or online that I do not know very well, and I want to ask the question, I have learned, and what I try to do in my tone and approach is, hey, does someone have the name of a baker? I, I can't think of a name right now. Could someone give me the name of the baker? It's it's important. And then you go, oh, okay, Sean, if he says Baker McBaker face, go, ha, 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 very funny. Anyone got a better name, like a real name? Right, and if you throw Baker, it out, Baker McRaker face, no, <laughs> I'm gonna hang up. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm hanging up on you. See how fun it would be to play with me as a player, Brett, for descriptions on demand. Yeah, this is this. Yeah, it's no. like a game of ad libs, man. Adverb? Mad, Do you need an adverb? Ma, it's mad noun? libs. Mad libs, you mean? Yes, but no. Yes, mad libs. <sighs> so, anyway. <laughs> I try to I've started to try to ask it to the entire table when I source the table I'm not trying to ask just one person I have found that sometimes you'll get in a groove and you ask one person and oh they're going really well you move to the next person the next person and you hit someone who just locks up and maybe that person was really good at this before insofar as they've always had a good idea or something that they've wanted to do and they just don't know and you could say you know what's no big deal how about we do this instead I think it's amount of pressure and by using it as a demand, voicing it as a demand as the game master, I think is where some of the pressure comes from. And some people, quite frankly, aren't comfortable with much limelight spotlight anyway. 
I have played with many people over the years. Whose turn is it? It's, you know, Razlax the Mighty. Razlax the Mighty is played by Fred, and that's what Fred likes to do. What does that mean? Fred rolls dice. He hits monsters. He does his feats. He thinks tactically. He drinks Mountain Dew. Always brings plenty of chips. Stand-up dude. Good player. He's not a showman. He's not a bard. He's not going to be anything but Razlax the Warrior. That's that's his guy. Okay. That's fine. And um, you can't punish those folks, right, by, you know, putting them on the spot. Even if you're like, well, there's no uh, experience points in it. I just want people to feel part of it. That person does not care. That's not of interest to them. I think those folks would be better suited, in my opinion. And, Sean, you tell me what you think here. In a session zero, where you said, hey, um, I was thinking about running a, a D&D game in Greyhawk. Modiphius is 2d20 uh, Conan for something different, fantasy-wise. Or I was thinking about pulling out an old uh, D6 Star Wars for the next campaign. What do you guys think? I think those are the opportunities for folks like Fred who like to play Razlax the Mighty to make their their opinions and they can speak out about what the script... They can, they start to say what they like to desc- describe, right? You know what? Sci-fi game sounds like fun. I'd like to play Star Wars. Cool. He will play whatever he likes to play in Star Wars, demanding from him later on, hey, Fred, which planet... Um, are we starting on? It's not Fred's deal. He wants you to tell him where are we starting, or someone else in the group says where they're starting. So, Sean, does that make sense to you? What I'm what I'm laying down here does that that whole kind of instead of like demanding it from one person, sourcing the table as a whole, asking different people. So, if you have people who like it, they can in, they can engage in that way. It, it does, but I uh, my fear would be that somebody that doesn't like it doesn't like it. At for all? the whole table. Yeah, like, oh, great. Great. So who's in charge? Oh, yeah. All right. So it's, it's I've, the, I've Bre- heard that it's the Brett and Lenny game. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, you, you and know. I have heard that argument, right? You're like, who's in charge then? Well, right? I thought the game, I thought the game master was running the game. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> sure. Uh-huh. I've heard that argument. Yeah. I think this might be very well if you're going to play a game where this is built in fate or something like that then people know hey this is what i'm signing up for that's what's going to be well that's fair and if it's a session zero about a D game or a star wars game or a game that this isn't built in mechanically i think that's a session zero thing that we as game masters even players get to say hey i like to do this i like to source the table in this way is that okay with you guys again i'm lucky I've been with my group for well over 20 years. I know what these folks like and don't like in most cases. <laughs> Works fine 99% of the time. Every once in a while, I want to strangle them. But hey, that's because I've known these guys for over 20 years. And every once in a while, we all want to strangle each other. But if I've just met a group, I think this might be one of those pieces, parts, questions we ask. And as a player, if the DM isn't asking you that, you can raise your hand and say, hey, I kind of like doing that. Is that something you guys all like or no? If... If nothing else, if that is the thing you really, really enjoy and you'll feel unfulfilled at the table if you're never allowed to do that, I think you have to take a hard look at that because I have talked to folks um, over the years at cons and stuff who really enjoy the hell out of it. They like being able to say, oh, I know that baker. That's He grew up down the street from me. We've known each other since high school. They love adding that extra bit and piece to it. Some game masters and some groups, as you say, Sean, may 
despise that or may say, well, that's not in your character backstory. You can't do that. I, I don't know. Everybody plays a little bit different. But if you're with a new group, you're having a session zero conversation, um, that might be a piece. Or if, you, if it doesn't come up and you do interject or the game master does ask, be prepared to have it fall flat where the group is like, I don't like, we don't necessarily like doing that or whatever. And don't take it personally. It's just not the thing the group likes. Move on. Where the player tries to interject, the game master says, eh, I don't really, I really want to do that, blah, blah, blah. It's not, no one's trying to wreck your fun. You're just are trying to have a type of fun at this table with this group of players that may not all grok or totally enjoy that thing you're trying to do. So I, I guess... I can see cool things about it, but I can definitely see why it's important to not use it as a honest-to-God demand. You get someone like Roger Braslett, who's not fond of it. Um, my buddy JR, who doesn't like it. Um, I've known other people. I used to, I, I, I tried this during a vampire game the first time I was running with my friend Tabby, and she was like, mm, no. That was not, it just kind of ground to a halt. After a while, after literally a year of real-time gaming, she's like, oh, I got an idea. She warmed up to it and changed her mind. What? No, and no one minded that other people were doing it. It just wasn't something she was comfortable with. She did not feel crazy. Change your mind. You can't like start playing a particular way. And then you get as a game master acclimated to your players and what they like and what they don't like, and then have a player change all that crap. No. No, not allowed. Well maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like the game master showing up to a D and D group and trying to make them play Mothership. What kind of fucker does that? Or or it's like, hey, I'm gonna take you through Curse of Strahd, and then all of a sudden, hey, it's Rise of the Rune. Or oh, it's Rifts. We're gonna go through Rifts. <laughs> Surprise! Bait hey, switch, bitches. Here I, we I go. created all your characters in Rifts so that now you can cross over into different worlds, yes. like you like we planned. Mega damage. What? Yeah. What? I don't understand. I don't. know. But I do think that there is, it is kind of, it's not a fad. I think fad is too strong. It's too condescending and negative. I think the the desire to source the table, it comes from a number of different things. You know, who has narrative control? We've talked about that many times in the past. And some of it, for me, is when I'm trying to source the table, I want involvement from the players. I very, I personally do not feel comfortable asking the players to give me critical plot information of something that if I'm already running, like if I, hey, I'm running this uh, this thing and I know the ending of the story, I kind of know who the bad guy is, how it might end up, what the big plan is at the end when I say ending, oh, this is what's going down, we're heading in that direction. I don't mind some of the players jumping in giving certain bits and pieces, but I, I am not a fan of, oh, now I have to redesign, rethink, everything because I asked you a question and you took it way somewhere different than I wanted it to go. Some, and which is where I think no is still a powerful tool. Bodie McBoatface is a bad name. The answer is no. What? But what if that's his real name? No. <laughs> you don't know a Bodie McBoatface? I know a boat named Bodie McBoatface, but I do not know a man named Bodie McBoatface. But, you know. Well, that's that's the thing, and you were you kind of answered the question I was going to bring up was is 
what okay for now most of the topic that we're talking about is for games that don't have it baked in yeah okay? we're talking about yeah something that like D D, the you know yeah. the big gorilla in the room right i know harrigan mentions like yeah there's games that have it baked right in which is which is great and then the the expectations are level across the the table right yeah, it's everybody in the knows, game man you, hey you, you gotta play this if we're gonna play kingdom you guys are gonna have to do stuff and like suggest things and come up with yes these ideas if you play D&D and you take this approach, which is a little different than a how a lot of people grew up, mm -hmm. not, not all. Well, it's also not in the rules. Right. The least, game, game okay. session, like, rule zero. Yeah. Brr, what I say goes. <laughs> That's why Brett and I game master. That's the, the rule zero, baby. It's the only thing I get to control in my whole life. Don't take that from me. Yep. Sorry. I'm yeah. going to rule zero everything. But... Did, why would you do that as a game master in a game that it doesn't facilitate? It doesn't and, have a mechanic to it. And it doesn't have a mechanic, yeah. And you mentioned, like, well, you want player interaction. So the, the root cause is not... So the, the, the cause and effect thing, if you were to look at it as, well, I want to make sure my players are engaged and I want them to kind of get sucked into things. And that is one method of doing it. Then you also have to go, well, if you did it a different way or you're running a game and the, it's not that way, and mm. that's why you're trying to implement it, then what's the problem? Yeah, so for me, some of it is as simple as I, I literally cannot always come up with names and just saying the blacksmith, the rope maker is boring. And when I'm running like my uh, Pathfinder game for my home group, they wanted, to, they wanted to use Pathfinder and Avalon, which is fine. I've done it before. And it's their neighborhood. When we talked about it, I said, look, in order for me to help make this be your neighborhood so that you guys understand it and you know all the bits and pieces, um, do you guys mind if I ask you to give me some names? They're like, oh, yeah, sure. We can help you out. Cool. Thanks. Like, hey, what about this person, this person? I like the name of these kind of people, which are key folks who I think you're going to talk to. Oh, somebody who sells leather goods, um, the innkeeper, the this, the this, the this. Cool. Thanks, guys. Move on. I had some names I gave them, and I'm like, hey, I could really use some help to fill out the rest of it. And when I come along, it's a big goddamn city with lots of different NPCs. So we'll introduce someone, and Zave will look at me and say, are they from the neighborhood? Yes. How do I know them, Brett? And I'll say, well, um, he's a priest of Odin. I'm like, well, he's been to a couple of your services, you know, is blah, 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 come up with something on the top, off the top of my head. Lenny or Nick, on the other hand, if I said, hey, Nick, you meet this person. He'd say, is he from the neighborhood? Yes. Do I know him from the church? Nick asked the question in the opposite direction, right? He asked me leading questions to, to get me um, more. He asked more Game Master questions back to me, right? Instead of asking me to tell him all the detail behind it, what Nick does is he says, do I know him from the church? Is he a regular person? Do, I know his, do his parents go? Okay, cool. Good. I got a pretty good idea who he is. And that's fine. He helps to build the NPC by asking questions back to me. The, the results are effectively very, very similar in that they both have asked me, do I know him? Because we're trying to build a neighborhood together of people we may or may not know. Is it is it conspicuous that somebody who isn't from the neighborhood is at the church today? So on and so forth. The way they're asking it is different. And that's fine. There's just two different ways to get at a similar thing. Zave is more comfortable with me giving him the details. 
um, asking certain questions and having me answer them, where Nick wants to turn it around and say, this is how I think it works. Tell me where I'm wrong. Tell me where I'm wrong or if it doesn't fit. Right. So does that make sense, Sean? Yes. Yes. Did you follow that at all? Or Yeah, no, it does make sense. But I also, okay. So aside from, okay, I'm going to implement this and then I'm going to do it. And then somebody's like, ah, I really don't like this. Mm -hmm. Side effects. Of people not liking it? Well, not necessarily people not liking it, but trying it and uh, trying it, doing it. So what are the, the the adverse effects that could come from it other than your players not jiving with it? And I would say it gets into the if, oh, oh, Brett, oh, he's presenting Sir Charles the Baker, not the Baker. So since it's Sir Charles the Baker... Obviously, that person's important. Or, hey, this person needs a name or whatever. Like, there's this weird latching onto things with certain connotations in the in RPGs. Like, oh, if it's not, hey, why are you asking this person's name? Well, I just I want to know. Like, it's it's probably important. No, it's not. Like, you're you're chasing. You're going down the wrong rabbit hole. Right? Yeah, so if, if basically if the game master names a thing, there can be more importance sometimes. Right. Versus if the player names a thing. Well, maybe it could be either or. Yep. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? It's like you in Dungeon World, everybody is supposed to name everything, right? Like it's yep. this immersive thing and all that's good. But, you know, sometimes a person walking down the street is just a person walking down the street. Yeah, I mean, if you're outside the free city of Greyhawk traveling to, you know, the Duchy of Jeff and you come across some dwarves in a cart and they simply have the DM has them giving you some data, understanding that they are reorks and preorks, the dwarven brothers from blah blah blah. It, does does that matter? Right. Right? So so I think it sometimes it's like a priority thing, right? So if you if you so if you write down an adventure or Brett's planning his next mm -hmm session and he fleshes it all out and he presents the party with x or y whether it's a pl person place or whatever person place or thing and the if you're bringing it up some people will be like oh brett is bringing this up it must be important it must it must play a role in all this, I, I right? think where you're going is that there are there's a certain amount of creative juice energy that people want to throw at stuff and like okay so we spend all this time talking about the two dwarves who are apparently bakers that come from the Cron Hills <laughs> that are 15th generation, blah, blah, blah. And we never see them again. Are you fucking well, kidding me? Nobody goes in to that much effort to creating things that don't mean something. Right? That would be my, oh, you mean huh? like You mean like those player characters who write 10 pages of backstory just to say their <laughs> parents were killed by orcs? <laughs> I feel bad whenever I hear stories like that because Crystal wrote a three-page, I think it was like three-page Google Doc on her person's background from Mass of Nyrolethotep. Obviously, way, very way nice. Too much. Like, way too much. Way, well, like, hey, I'm in this. And so I think Sean, like, Sean, did you read? Like, I would ask her, like, questions. Like, hey, you're in New York. Your parents probably have a place there. She's like, did you even read my background, Sean? Oh. Like, because it would be in there. Like, yeah, I have yeah. a place in New York. Yeah, I'm like, oh, God. 
And every session she would bring it up, and she's like, you still haven't read it? It's session four. You dick. I'm like, sorry. So I think what you're saying is that it can be overused. Can be the piece here, right? Is that sometimes there's a time and a place, or it can be fun to add some color. But if you name everything all the time, and how deep do you go all the time, right? If you're, if it's in a neighborhood, you know, like we're adventuring in this neighborhood in Avalon, and um, knowing these shopkeepers is critical because we know these people. They're friends of ours or they're enemies of ours, whatever the case is, that, that's important. But if you go too crazy and you know all the dogs and all the cats or whatever, yeah, you, you, can, all, you can overuse almost any tool, right? If all you have is a hammer and everything starts to look like a nail. This isn't the be-all and end-all of involving your players and getting them to contribute to the setting. Right. It's not the only way to do it. And um, I think you are right, Sean, that there can be such if we if we're spending time doing this thing, it damn well better be important. I can see that concern or some blowback. And some people may say, oh, I've never experienced that. But I have. I've seen that happen where people are like, look, we're spending all this time talking to this bartender and there's clearly nothing to gain out of it. You're wasting our time. So and so let's go, you know. Any other problems you can see? Is that what you're getting at, Sean, or am I totally yeah, misreading yeah, you? Yeah. Okay. No, that's exactly what I was getting at was, you know, if you're having everything kind of sourced, right, crowdsourced, then it's, I don't know. You get, sometimes little is better. It doesn't, ha like, and I should talk, like Hobbs and Harrigan are probably laughing their ass off because when I... <laughs> When I run Delta Green, they go to a storage shed and I describe the storage shed and they go in and it's like, okay, there's a person, blah, blah, blah. And there's this desk. And then behind the desk, there's a table and there's a person sitting in a chair and they're playing, like they're looking at their TV and they got a, something in their hand. They're flipping it and clicking it. And it looks like some kind of video game console. It looks like NBA jams on the TV. And they're like, what? Do Dude, I care? Just, Stop. Well, they're just like, I know Hobbs, he's like. Too much, man. Like, you're, what are you doing? So, but I, I want to get into, I mean, I don't, want, I don't want to necessarily get into it, but I want to make sure sometimes what I get into, and this may be off on a tangent, is there's the, well, you didn't say that, or you didn't tell me that, or I, I didn't know that was there, or whatever. And so sometimes when I get into those, like, robust descriptions, it's to make sure that they understand kind of the environment that they can play in. Well, the other piece that I think can be, give me a negative for um, description on demand, apart from the term demand, which I still don't find too keen, is if you're not, you as a player are not, I've read one Dresden book, one, and I read it over 10 years ago. So if I'm going to play Dresden with you, you say, hey, Brett, what's the name of this or that? I, I have no clue. Well, you said you read the book. Dude, I told you I read it 10 years ago. I am not a good person to get the feel of this. I've never played Call of Cthulhu before, never played Delta Green before. And then you try to get me to help you source a feeling or source something like this. I have no idea. You know, I, I, I feel like I'm out of my depth already a little bit here because I don't know the setting very well. Right. Yeah. Um, in Star Wars games, I'm not a good person to pick names. I, I don't know what a Star Wars sounding name is. I always I, I always lock up. 
I like Brett. He could have used Brett. I probably could have, but I just locked could've him. Could have called him Treb. Could have. Yeah, I could have. But Treb's I lock, I lock up on that stuff. You know, it just doesn't. If someone were to say, hey, you see someone behind the bar. Is he, uh, what kind of Star Wars character is he? What kind of, what planet is he from? <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> this is not I, a Twi'lek um, and a Wookiee. An Ewok? Sure, he's an Ewok. Uh, a Jawa. And I'm done. <laughs> I'm out. I got nothing. Right? Well, that's a good point too, Brett, because you're in a world that's not. I mean, you're not. If you're not freaking Wayne Lumrunner Humfleet, so yeah. I mean, if, if you're playing the Forgotten Realms for the first time, and says, "Well, right. you're here and there," and and you're like, "So, what? What relationship do you have to the Lord of Cormier?" You're like, "Is Cormier the? Is that the town? Yeah, right. Or is that the? Is that a city? Or what's a Cormier? <laughs> Fuck." And you feel like a boob because you're like, "Oh my God, how come I don't know this stuff?" <laughs> You know, and that's a that's again a piece where I think if you're being asked to do stuff, it can if the person is not familiar with what's going on, they're there to play, they're eager, they want to try and doing something different with you, like, wow, I've never played Warhammer before. Let's see how this goes. And you say, So is this person um you know, do you think they're uh what are they? well there's an elf behind the bar? And we're, oh, there's no elves in in the right blah 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 blah. Well, how do I know? I just got here. You know, I just I just sat down to play. I didn't. I don't know that. I, you, you told me they're elves, dwarves, and halflings. I, I thought I'd be an elf would be cool. I'm sorry. You know, and you, people could feel foolish. And I think that the other part of the on-demand component is that when you see if it is working, it's going well, and you turn to that one person, and they lock up, and they're like, I don't know. I'm just not comfortable. They don't like. I said, that's cool. Anybody else have an idea? Cool. How about we go with that? That sounds great. Not me, man. I'd be sitting there like this. You stare at him. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's when you pull out the 45, lay it on the table. Audience participation, people. (laughs) Come on. Come on. Work with me, people. That's when you take the hot lamp, you just turn it on them and make everyone stand (laughs) up and stare down at them as they sit. Yeah. Hey, everybody. It's Brett's turn to come up with the name of the tavern. Whenever you're ready, Brett. Yeah. We like all like to play. Except for yeah. Brett, who can't name a fucking tavern. What's wrong with that guy? <laughs> it's a tavern, Brett. There's no like ethnicity or weird spelling to it. How hard is it's, this? <laughs> come on. <laughs> no, but seriously, though, I think some people just flat don't like that. That pressure can be a lot. Some people don't like the pressure because they don't like speaking in front of people. They don't like being put on the spot. Some people, you talked about one of your um, one of your friends it does investigations and stuff kind of for a living doesn't want Jeff to does yeah i mean there's certain things that jeff was like look i i'd like i'd rather kill stuff and take their loot because it's just more relaxing to me than some of this other stuff right i depends what you do for a living sometimes you're like look i don't want to be in charge today i'm in charge all day somebody else somebody else run the run the group right now i don't want a game master or whatever the case is and that's another component is some people don't your game master who's now behind the screen or excuse me in front of the screen. Sometimes she's like, look, I, I don't want to game master. So please don't ask me to do game mastery type stuff. Don't give me um, the author type authority because I really don't want it. I don't want to do that right now. I just want to sit back, play a supporting character in this D and D game and whatever the group wants to do, I'll be more than happy to go with them. My, you know, my main driving forces support the group, right? That's my thing. That's what I'm here for. And that's all he wants to do. We need to have, we need to take this stuff. Every time we ask a question to the audience, we need to put it in a survey, like a book. 
and go here. You have to ask all. Where everybody sits down and you complete this every session questionnaire. zero is a huge every session zero is, is an monster. SAT. No, it's a standardized test. Yeah, little dots you fill them in, but they all have these questions. So when you're done, you're like, hey, I I think I know. Hey, I think I know. Which is where Sean gets to. You can't change your mind. This is it. Final answer. Good, because that's all. Yeah. I mean, hey. You answered all these questions. <laughs> We've talked about that with session zero before too, where that's not that's not a guarantee of the perfect game, right? And we will throw this out. And I've heard this from other podcasts. Other oh, that's this good session zero thing. That should quote unquote be asking people all the time. But sometimes you're going to try something like, hey, I like that subscription on demand, or I want to source the table more. Man, I think that'd be fun. I think my group would really get it. And you try it, and it just lands like a rock. You're like, wow. Nobody likes that. All right, I'll stop doing it. Or I'll bring it back up and say, hey, I thought this would be kind of cool, guys. Um, do you mind? Do you want to try it? Yeah, sure, I guess. I just don't want to do the Game Master job. And how come you can't create? Ha, ha, ha. I just Sometimes I have a hard time kind of putting names. Can you guys help me at least with names? Yeah, sure, we can do that. Bodie McBoatface, you, you're out. Okay, you. What's his <laughs> name? You know? But, yeah, I, uh... I mean, you're not going to get every pre-notion setup, every bumper boundary for this type of thing. But if it's built into the game system, much less problem. Because you go, hey, look, you see these rules? This is what we're using, and it's right here. But if you're adding this in to a system that doesn't have a mechanic for it or something, it is worth saying, hey, I don't, I like to do this. I want to reach out and ask, you know, Roger, could you give me a name of the of the baker? Could you give me a name of the pilot? Could you do this? Or if you don't want to put someone on the spot... Just say, I'm stuck for, does anyone have, can anyone give me? And it's out to the whole group, and not one person is stuck. So sometimes that helps. Roger, I don't know if we hit that all, man, but that's kind of what I'm thinking. Sean, you got any more you want to throw on this? Uh, No, I don't want to. No, 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 no. 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 It's, it. do you do it, and how much, I think is the question. Yeah, do you do it and do you do do you use this type of table sourcing with systems that don't require it or it's not built right. into them? Do you do this as an add-on? If you do it successfully, how do you do it? And if right. it's fallen or you've had bad in, instances of it, share cuz uh, so we can all learn from the good and the bad. So, it's all good stuff. Yeah. Shall we? We shall. Let's get into die roll. Cool. Die roll. Two D four miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery we want to share with you. Uh, all right. First one: Wizards of the Coast to release DM screen wilderness kit. So if you're playing five E and you need another dungeon master screen, I'm gonna take. I think what I'm gonna do. I think I'm gonna buy all the DM screens that they release for five E. Yeah. And I'm gonna tape them all together. Just make one. Just make a wall. And I don't know if I'll tape them like end to end. No, one on top of the other. One on top. Yeah. All but all three. What is it? Three or f- it's a, a four, four panel, panel yeah. usually. Yeah. So four panel. Let's see how high I can get it. You could do it old school. This was the thing that Gary and the guys used to do. Is they would actually their their stories where Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson would actually play. Their body would be completely hidden. Oh, yeah, I remember Gary right. doing it behind the filing cabinet yeah. or whatever. 
Yeah. We, gotta, we need to bring, that, we need to bring that, that back. Bring it back behind yeah. behind Game yeah. Master screen. You lead the charge. I'll, I'll, be, like, I'll be right behind I'll be, you. It's like, okay, give me uh, give me a roll. Okay. What? Right? What? Right? Hold on a second. Okay, give me a roll, Brett. <laughs> Brett, what'd you roll? I got a five. You roll a five? <laughs> hold on a second. All right, Brett, I think. Let's see. Hold on a, hold on a second. And you got to use right. miniatures at the same time so you can't see the fucking Okay, I th- you missed. <laughs> <laughs> All things told, though, the uh, the Game Master screen, it looks cool. I'd be interested to see what's on the inside of it. And I like a good wilderness adventure. It so. does come with more than just the GM screen. It comes with erasable. Yeah, five dry erase sheets, 27 cars, keeping track conditions, initiative, environmental effects, all that good stuff. So, neat. Yeah. Hey, for your favorite hex crawl. Yeah. Uh, next one, X crawl Classics. Beta test rules are going to be out in time for Cyclops, Bride of Cyclops Con. Okay. Bride of Cyclops Con. So if you're not familiar with X-Crawl, why? And if you aren't, uh, you should be. It's a competitive. Tournament style play. Yeah, tournament style play. And I think it's DCC rules. I think it might be. Yeah. And if you don't know what Bride of Cyclops Con is, well, that's the next one. Bride of Cyclops Con, which is October 16th to the 18th online, which is uh, by Goodman Games. So a lot of Mutant Crawl Classics and DCC. And if you're a DCC fan, you probably already know this. Next one. Uh, Twitter user Megan Lynn FTW. I'll have it spelled out and a link in the die roll, but she posted a thread about Blades in the Dark, which I found pretty intriguing. Apparently, she does this every once in a while for a game that she's playing, so it's just this long thread. If you get Thread Reader app, it puts it all on one page. I'll have a link to the Thread Reader app um, that brought it all together that talks about Blades in the Dark, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, I still like, I, I do want to play that game. I, I don't Scum and Villainy, man, that's what I have, and I'd like to run that, but I'd like... Those games I like to play in first that somebody knows what the hell they're doing. Yeah, I get the feel of it. Yeah, and then go, oh, that makes so much more sense. And then I can read it and go, oh, I, okay, okay, okay. It's the way I learn, people. Uh, last one, coming September 7th, 2020, Star System. Star System Epic Space Fantasy Role-Playing Supplements by Adamant Entertainment. Apparently, former West End games editors uh, that are involved in this. So they say if you like West End Star Wars, then some of the folks that worked on that game are involved in this, including our very own friend uh, and supporter, Wayne Lumrunner Humfleet, also known as Mr. Star Wars in some circles. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you follow Lumrunner, I asked them, like, okay, great, man. Where do people go for this thing? Is there a Kickstarter? Is there a store? Is there a website? Drive through. It's coming on drive through. There, yep. there is no drive through so, presence. Yeah, not yet. So this is the this is the prequel to the to the coming attraction, right? So you heard it here first, type of thing. It's oh. coming September seventh. We're tight with Wayne. He'll give us links. We'll we'll share. Yeah. We'll share most definitely. This could be cool though. This is neat. Hey, and they do have a website. Mm-hmm. Hey, put it up on your website. Just saying. <clears throat> just saying. There you go. I'll put it there. Just a hint. I don't know. I'm not a marketing guy, but I'm just saying. But I play one on I'll TV. Put, okay. I'll put one on, yeah, play one. I play one in a role-playing game. 
Otherwise, that is it for this episode of Gaming BS because we can't stream worth a shit and it's always going to have a problem because of the minute we do it right, we have to call it a different show. <laughs> exactly. All right. What are we talking about next week, We're talking man? about how easy wins have value. We're going to chat through that, so we'll get the notes up. Easy wins, wins have, have value. value. Yes. Yeah. Not wins as in... No. W-I-N. Wins as in... We won. Yes. I'm winning. Bah, bah, bah. <sighs> I'm winning. Bah, bah, bah. Now this pain makes you less tolerable. I'm winning. <laughs> Everybody that's tuned in to uh, Twitch tonight, thank you so much for being patient and not hearing Brett have most of the episode uh, at full volume until I figured out things. I... I'm telling you, next week, Brett, that's the week. That's the week? It's the week. We're due. That's You're due. Week. I'm due, You're man. due, man. That's... Dude, every pitcher can can hit it once in a while. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're going to have... They've got to, you know... You're going to have a perfect game. It's coming. You're due. A 90 batting average will hit at least... Yeah, you're due. One-tenth of the time a season or whatever that is. Agreed. All right. Everybody, thanks for tuning in on Discord. Everybody that watches this on YouTube, make sure to subscribe and uh, hit like. Otherwise, I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS brought to you with the help from the following producers. Graham Miner, Corey Wynn, Brett Pazinski, Harrigan, Hoos Carl, Andy Olson, Ghost GM, Brian Rumble, John Kayward, Eric Salzwedo, Curtis Hinson, Jeff Goad, Mark Soam, Howard Bishop, Jay Plata, Sky, C.W. Mellencamp, Melissa Bashinsky. Pure Mongrel, Jim Fitzpatrick, Angus, Roger Brasslett, Jim Ingram, Mark Tasaka, Phil McClory, Wayne Humphrey, Stefan Dragonspawn, Old Scoozer Roleplaying, The Duke in Purple, Jared Rasher, Andy Hall, Jason Hobbs, Old School DM, Ray Otis, George Sedgwick, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Thomas Hook, Mark Richmond, Eric Tavola, Robert Nemeth, Corey Gonzalez, Niall Diamond, Eric Frankhaus, Larry Hout, Jason Weeb, Laramie Wall, Craig, David F. Baylog, Henry Newcomb, Mike S., Junior, Perry Besor, Daniel Garrett, Eric Avia, Dollar Adventure Frameworks, Jeff Seifert, Rory Weston, Ron Bishop, Craig Huber, Dan LaValley, Chris Steele, Chad Glayman, Adam Grotjohn, Ed Nyes, Josh Wallace, Michael Dino, Smirko Froelich, Rick Chwishan, and Joe Swick. Hey, BSers, do you run games? Wondering what your players think of your own game, but don't want to ask them directly? Have them pull up our show in their podcatcher of choice, listen to an episode, and get their feedback on the episode. Might give you some insight to what they're thinking as far as different play styles. You never know. Thanks, BSers. This, this has, has been, been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio, Studio production. production.